Thanks for tuning in today. You're listening to the official podcast of First Alliance Church in Great Falls, Montana, creating passionate followers of Christ. Today's message is from one of our elders. Today, we are going to participate in the Lord's Table. Most of us in the modern world call the Lord's Table Communion. In the 45 years or so that I've been a Christian, I have not heard very many teachings on this subject. Therefore, I'd like to take the opportunity to teach about the Lord's Table or Communion from Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church. Our scripture reading for today is familiar to most of you. It is found in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 26. In those verses, Paul says this, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to teach on something so important. Father, I ask you that you calm my my nerves. I ask you, Father, that you help me to speak clearly that my tongue doesn't get twangled. Lord, we just thank you for everything. We ask you to move amongst our congregation and draw people closer to yourself. And we thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Apostle Paul founded the Corinthian church between A.D. 51 and 52, only about 18 years after he had become a Christian and only about 8 or 10 years after he had started his missionary endeavors to the Gentiles. When Paul left Corneth after founding the church, he apparently had left instructions with these these brethren there as to how they should live for Jesus in the midst of their pagan culture. But within three years or so, the Christian church had developed factions and there were those who were wanting to incorporate pagan activities into their lives and into the church. Gordon Fee in his commentary on 1 Corinthians says this, Although they were the Christian church in Corneth, an inordinate amount of Corneth was yet in them, emerging in a number of attitudes and behaviors that required radical surgery without killing the patient. You see, 1 Corinthians is an attempt to instruct these believers in how to live in Corneth without Corneth living in them. You've heard the expression that we have to live in the world without too much of the world living in us, This letter would be similar to how to live in Great Falls without too much of Great Falls living in us. Here in 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing in response to a letter that he has received from the church or possibly some people in the church. We don't have a copy of the letter that Paul received from these brethren, but we can surmise from the content of 1 Corinthians that they had at least 11 concerns about about the church or about the things that were happening in the church. Of these 11, 10 of them were behavioral and one of them was theological. 
Paul spends time addressing the, their concerns, but he is not only concerned about their behaviors, he's not only concerned about the things that they are doing, but he is also con- concer- concerned about the theo- theological stance or the understanding behind these behaviors. My friends, God does not call us to an arbitrary set set of behaviors. God always has a reason why he has called us to act in a certain way and to do the things that he has called us to do. There is one more thing that is of particular importance to us living today. Apparently, the brethren who were living in Corneth had come to think of themselves as being spiritual. Remember, these Corinthian believers were only two or three years old in Jesus, and they were thinking that they had received, they had reached a level of spiritual maturity that gave them license to question Paul's authority. My friends, there is an old saying that says, as soon as you think you're humble, you're not. There's a sense in which you can say that we are growing in Christ Jesus, but as soon as you start proclaiming your own spiritual maturity, we are really declaring how immature we are. We can assume from 1 Corinthians that the Corinthian church was not keeping the traditions of the Lord's table that Paul had taught them when he had established the church. He says in verse 23, I received, and that's a very important word, from the Lord which I delivered, and another important word, to you. These words receive and delivered are technical terms in Greek. They're not just simple words. They are technical in the sense that they are most often used in connection with the transmission of religious instruction or religious tradition. Paul is saying that he, that, that he was taught about the Lord's table from someone who had firsthand knowledge of Jesus And then Paul passed that instruction on to these brothers. This is really important. The Apostle Paul is saying that the instruction that he passed on to the Corinthians had an unbroken line of of authority back to Jesus. But you know what the problem was? They weren't following Paul's instructions on on the proper way to participate in the Lord's table. They were ignoring what Paul had taught them and they were adding things to communion or making regulations that did not follow those proper authoritative instructions. The Lord's table that we will be celebrating in a few minutes and the Lord's table that these Corinthian Christians were celebrating is or was to be a continuation of the extension of the first Lord's table that Jesus instituted And the authority to practice this sacrament comes directly from Jesus. On the night when Jesus gave his life as a ransom for you and I, he ate his final Passover meal with his 12 disciples. It was at that Passover meal that Jesus instituted the sacrament that has come to be known as the Lord's table or communion. Now some Protestants, including me sometimes, don't like the term sacrament. It's too Catholic, if you will. Please don't get bogged down in that word. For our use today, a sacrament is nothing more than a visible expression of God's invisible grace. Let me repeat. A sacrament is nothing more than a visible expression of God's invisible grace. A sacrament is a sign of God's presence in our midst. 
At the first Lord table, communion, if you will, Jesus himself added special meaning to the bread and the wine. He instituted this ordinance so that his followers for the rest of their time on earth would have a physical reminder of the sacrifice that he made for them. What I want to do now is to try to tie this word sacrament, a visible expression of God's invisible grace, to a word that's used in our scripture reading today. That word is the word remembrance. In Greek, the word remembrance is the word anamnesis. The word anamnesis is made up of two Greek words, first a preposition, an, and second, which means up or again, and the second is menesko, which means to remember. So the word anamnesis means to remember again or to remind oneself again. But it needs to be noted that this is not a word with a, a, a static, simple meaning. This is a word with an active, vibrant meaning. It is not simply an external bringing to remembrance, but it is meant to be an awakening of the mind on a continual basis. It means to call back into our memory a vivid experience. The best example of anamnesis that I can give you is one that most of you are, very, are probably not familiar with. This is, that is the annual Jewish Passover. To this very day, when Jews celebrate their Passover, they say this, we ate manna in the wilderness with our fathers. They say, we were in captivity in Egypt. They say, we crossed over the Red Sea. What these Jews are doing when they speak like this is they are taking a historic event and, make it re and making it real for themselves personally. They are awakening or remembering again in their minds a historic event as if they had actually participated in that historic event. Beloved, that's anamnesis. That is what we are, we are to do when we participate in co communion. We are to remember that historic event as if we were actually there. When we participate in communion, we are to remember again as if we were actually there seeing Jesus breaking the bread. We are to remember again as if we were actually there seeing Jesus pouring the wine into the cup. We are to remember again as if we were actually there seeing Jesus praying for each of his disciples and for us personally. We are to remember again as if we were actually there seeing Jesus offer his body to be broken for us. We are to remember again as if we were actually there seeing him being crucified. We are to remember again as if we were actually there seeing his blood being poured out for us. And we are to remember again as if we are actually there seeing him die. Brethren, what we are called to do is to participate in a visible expression of God's invisible grace, his unmerited favor towards us, towards me, and toward e towards each and every one of you as an individual. This is not collective. God does not see you as a big group of people. God loves you and sees you as an individual, and Jesus died for you as an individual. Do you remember where grace first became real to all humanity? It first became real to all humanity at the cross in the sacrifice of Jesus. 
That sacrifice is what we are called to remember, and we are to remember it with, th- with a thankful heart and because Jesus gave his all so that we could experience an abundant life. Communion is, not, is much more than just a sign. It's God's presence in our midst. At communion, we are to remember and participate with Jesus in his last supper and in the, and in the witness of his crucifixion in a very special way. Because of the specialness of communion, God is with us in a very special way as we gather together to remember again what Jesus has done for us. Now, I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but way too many of us do not take communion seriously. Unfortunately, in many churches, communion is something that's just added on the end of a regular Sunday morning service. In a lot of cases, the sermon, and in some cases, the entire service has done nothing to prepare the congregation for communion. Brethren, the Lord's table is never to be taken taken for granted. It is never to be taken lightly. It is never to be participated in half-heartedly. It is to be approached seriously and in remembrance of all that Jesus has done for us. When we participate in the Lord's table, we are called to look in four directions. First, participation in the Lord's table calls us to look back. During communion, the Christian is to take a special look back at the cross and remember with thanksgiving God's grace that was freely given to his people. We are to remember the sacrifice of God and his only begotten son. We are to remember that Jesus was delivered up for us so that we could be delivered from the bondage of sin and death. The apostle says it most clearly in Romans 5.8. He says, but God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. My friends, this is one of my life verses. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I love to make that verse personal. In that while Wayne Campbell was still a sinner, Jesus Christ died for Wayne Campbell. You can put your name there and make Romans 5.8 personal to you. God did not wait for me, nor did he wait for you to get your spiritual or physical act together. He demonstrated his love towards all of us while we were still sinners. If God had waited until we got our spiritual acts together, he never would have sent Jesus. In communion, the bread and the wine are not simple signs. They are a solemn pledge to us of God's grace and forgiveness on the grounds of Christ's substitutionary death. Jesus died for me so that I might live for him. We are are to call to our minds that historic event as if we were actually there seeing it firsthand. As we participate in the act of communion, we are to relive the personal application of the cross. The personal application of the cross is Christ suffered for me. Christ died for me. All this so that I might live. Christ suffered and died for Wayne Campbell so that Wayne Campbell can live for him. Put your name there. Jesus died for all of us so that we could live and our lives are to be wholly dedicated to him. In communion, each Christian is to personally receive the bread and the wine 
to emphasize this truth. There is no membership requirement, only the requirement that you, that, that you have come to know Jesus as your Savior. There is no age requirement to participate in communion. Parents should instruct their children before they come to the Lord's table so that they are, are prepared and they understand what is actually happening. Secondly, participation in communion calls for self-examination. All who participate in the Lord's table are called to look in. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 28 and 9, let a man, now I always chuckle when I read that, because women, you're not off the hook. The word that Paul uses there in Greek is the word anthropos, which is obviously anthropology, the study of humankind. He's using a generic term for all human beings. So in other words, he says, let all human beings examine themselves, whether male or female. And so let them eat of the bread and drink of the cup, for he or she who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to themselves if they do not judge the body rightly. Brethren, I would be lying to you if I did not tell you that this is a very serious matter. Paul goes on in verse 30 to say that some of the Christians were not taking it seriously. And for that reason, he says, many among you are sick and weak and a number sleep, meaning they're dead. Apparently, there have been people who participated in communion who died because they did not take it seriously. Before participation in communion, the Christian is called to examine himself or herself so that at that moment, they know that their heart is clean before God. This is not meant to be a condemnation. It is meant to be a special opportunity to ask God for forgiveness. Brethren, we cannot make ourselves clean, but we can ask for the light of the Holy Spirit to search our hearts for any remaining sin before we participate in the Lord's table. Then as he sheds light on the hidden sins of our hearts, our job is to ask for forgiveness and the grace and strength to forsake those sins forever. Thirdly, participation in the Lord's table calls us to look around. Contrary to popular belief, salvation and baptism and repentance and forgiveness and the Lord's table are not simple private matters. While they contain elements that are private between you and God, they are also part of the ministry of the body of Christ. It is part of the ministry of the local church and the body of Christ universal to help the lost come to know Jesus. Baptism is part of the ministry of the local church. The brethren in the local church are to help others to repentance and receive the forgiveness that God offers them. And communion and all associated with it is a ministry of the local church. It is not coincidental that we call it communion. In Greek, the word communion is koinonia, meaning having in common or having fellowship or sharing. The early church knew the significance of the Lord's table. Acts 2.46 says, And day by day, continuing one, with one another in the temple and breaking bread, that means communion, from house to house they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of the heart. The early church participated in communion regularly, maybe even daily. But then the verse goes on to say that they went to one another's homes to eat meals together. Man, this is really a lost art today. When I was a new Christian, it was not uncommon to go into someone's home or have people over to your house after church for a meal 
and fellowship. It is a practice that we have somehow gotten away from. The Apostle Paul understood that the Lord's Supper is to be an expression of our unity in the church because we are the physical manifestation of the body of Christ here on earth. He says in 1 Corinthians 10 verses 16 and 17, is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the, body, in the blood of, of, of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Beloved, we are one body in Christ Jesus because that is the way God has chose to design it. We are one body because God calls us to be one in Christ. We have different jobs in the body, just like the ear has a different job than the eye, but both are equally important. When there is discord, discard, discord or no harmony in the church, it is because self or Satan is disrupting things. Our fellowship is first and foremost to be a vertical fellowship with Christ. And then because of that vertical fellowship, we have horizontal fellowship with one another. It is because of our fellowship with Christ that we have come to have fellowship with one another. If either is broken, both are broken. Look around. Do you see someone who is hurting? This is a good time to minister to them. Look around. Do you see someone who is, you have offended? This is a good time to take care of that. Brethren, the Lord's table should be a love feast, a gathering of those who love one another because of their love for Jesus, a place where we can all experience the love, love of God and the love of the brother binding us together in Jesus Christ. Fourthly, participation in the Lord's table calls us to look forward Paul says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It is true that we live in the age of the Spirit and that Christ is with us and in us in a very real way. But Christians have another hope. That is the hope of the second coming of Jesus. The Lord's table is a picture of the marriage supper of the Lamb. At that meal we will sit we will all sit down with him and we will feast with him. Paul says that we are to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is an exciting phrase in Greek. I probably get more excited than you do, but I do get excited about it. The word proclaim is written in the present tense. Now, I need you to do me a favor, please, and that's play a little game with me. So when I say a phrase, you're going to say after the phrase, you're going to say the word now. So when is the present? Now. No, when is the present? Now. When is the present? Now. You see, the present tense in Greek is meant to be the continual tense, the show continual action. How often are we to proclaim the death of Jesus? Continually. But there's a final conditional clause here. We are to proclaim the Lord's death with the condition of until he comes. This final clause puts the importance of proclaiming Jesus until that goal is reached, until he comes. My friend, the goal is reached in only one of two ways. Either you go home to meet him at his second coming, 
or he's coming to your house to get you the day that you breathe your last. That's the only two times that you can stop proclaiming Jesus. Brethren, the Apostle Paul closes the book of 1 Corinthians, verse, chapter 16, verse 22, with an old Aramaic cry. That old Aramaic cry is Maranatha. This is a really interesting word. We really don't know for absolutely positive what the Apostle Paul was meaning here. If you say Maranatha, the most common way Christians say the word, it has the present intense, uh, imperative meaning, present meaning continual, imperative meaning imperative, can be translated, our Lord come. It's a prayer that Jesus come and be present with us now. But if we use the same letters, but divide the syllables in a different place, it becomes Maranatha. It takes on a future indicative or a perfect tense meaning. So it can be translated, our Lord comes or our Lord is here. Either way, it's a confession that Jesus is coming or is in our presence and we should act accordingly. If you were uh, to read the scholarly literature on the subject, you would find good Christian scholars coming down on both sides of that discussion. But for, for me and for you today, this is really significant. The Apostle Paul was an extremely smart guy. And not only smart, but he was full of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit was inspiring him to write. I think Paul meant to use a word here that could be translated in two different ways. On one hand, it, it's a prayer that Jesus be continually present with us at the Lord's table. Our Lord come. It's a prayer to ask Jesus to continually be with us, to be present in our church and in our lives and in the celebration of communion. Secondly, it is a celebration of the future. Our Lord comes, or a statement of fact, our Lord is here. Either way, it is a confession that Jesus is in our presence or is on his way. That cry is to have a special significance for us as we come together, together to celebrate communion. Our Lord is coming back to get us, and our Lord Jesus is with us and in us now. My friends, as the elders come forward and the musicians come forward to... to and as we prepare ourselves for communion, I ask you to let us be a people whose hearts are full of the Lord Jesus. Let us be a people who are looking back to Jesus, to all that Jesus has done for us. Let us be a people who are looking in as we ask Jesus to examine our hearts, our lives, and our actions. Then we confess our sins and we stand rightly before God. Let us be a people who are looking around, not in judgment, but looking for ways to minister to the needs of others. And let us be a people who celebrate the fact that our Lord has come and we are looking forward to his blessed return. We hope you are blessed by the message today. Follow us on social media to keep up to date with church news and events.